You're listening to audio from Pearl Chapel in Shell Beach, California. To learn more about Pearl Chapel, visit us online at pearlchapel.com. I love David for many reasons, one of which is he sings the Bible. I love singing the Bible with you, man. What do I mean by that? He sang a song, that one that you said was, you wrote 10 years ago. Man, he said, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I tell you, if we can get a hold of that, the possibilities are endless with what he can do through us. If we can truly understand that we don't have to do anything that he has done it all and that we are now the righteousness of God in Christ then that frees us from shame it frees us from condemnation and it makes us conduits of his righteousness and his love to the world because what keeps me from sharing that love with someone else I messed up. I'm not I'm not clean enough. I'm not holy enough. I, I don't I don't know what to say. I don't if we know that we know that we are the righteousness of God and we are holy. We just become conduits of that righteousness and love. Second Corinthians five. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ. That doesn't mean when we die and go to heaven one day, we're clothed in righteousness. It means now, today. In this present life. Listen to this, what it says in Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, 10 says. We have been sanctified. Sanctified means made holy. We have been made holy. Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Once and for all. That means now. He loves you with the exact same love that he has for his son. That's John 17. 2 Corinthians 5, Hebrews 10, 10, John 17. Lord, baptize us in these truths. And this isn't man-focused theology. This is God-exalting theology. It says what he did on the cross was so incredible that it makes us righteous now in this life. That's how powerful his blood is. Amen. Love singing the Bible. Thank you, Richard. Oh, man, I have something uh, really short that I want to share. And then we get to eat together. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. Side note, side note, I love the kids here today. So many kids here this morning. Hey, sweet girl. Offering? We'll do it in a minute. Can you hold on to it for a couple minutes or you want me to hold it for you? Okay. Yeah, for for those of you who are new today with kids, this is a living room. We, We understand kids, act like kids. Kids talk, kids whine, kids move. It's totally cool. This is a living room. So moms and dads feel comfortable. We have four kids of our own, so we know what it's like to 
It's okay. It's cool. This is this is a uh, a living room. I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> so I was. The Lord spoke something to me last night, and I just started to write. And I wanted to share that with you guys because I think it's the Lord giving us an assessment of where we are. But it's an encouragement to keep contending for more and keep pressing in for more. So it's, it's not a it's not a, a message. It maybe takes uh, five or seven minutes or something. But I just want to read this to you. Sometimes it's good to to speak things out to each other. To powers and principalities and to heaven. Just to go on record and put a stake in the ground and say, we know the season that we're in right now. I feel like this morning is one of those times. The Lord has been incredibly gracious to us in the recent weeks. On Thursday nights, on Tuesday when we were gathering for prayer, Sunday mornings, he's manifested himself and his presence in our midst recently in very special ways. Amen. Angels, healings, visions. That vision that Judah had still messes me up of Jesus right here sitting on the throne. And then we start singing worthy of it all. All the saints and elders, they bow before you. I can't I can't even think about his throne now without getting messed up thinking about that vision that Judah had. Tongues and interpretations, high praise in worship. We're not just singing songs and calling it worship. We've entered into high praise in worship. The Lord has been so good to us. And I have the sense that he's watching us. He's watching to see how we handle what he gives to us. The fact that we have a talent or two in our possession is nice, meaning the parable of the talents. He gave one talent to one man, three talents to another man, five talents to another man. The fact that we have a couple talents in our possession is nice. But what we do with those talents is what matters. He's watching to see if the wineskin here is sufficient to contain the measure of wine that he wants to pour out. He's watching. He's watching to see how we respond to the measure of presence that we are experiencing. Angels have been sent here and angels have been seen here. We've seen the lamb sitting on the throne in our midst. Do we understand the gravity of that? These are not playthings, friends. These are not just toys that we have fun with and tell cool stories about. Do we understand the gravity of these things? Do we thank him for a great worship service and then carry on with business as usual? Or do we make demands of ourselves that acknowledge the fact that we are in the midst of the king on his throne. We aren't just playing church. We're not just dressing up on Sunday mornings and playing church. The Holy Spirit recently on Thursday night poured out the spirit of repentance in our midst. Public repentance. Brothers and sisters, We're comfortable enough in a family environment, 
and moved by the Holy Spirit to stand up and confess sin to one another. That's not normal church. The Lord is watching to see how we handle that level of vulnerability. It seems that every time that we gather, the Lord does something different. I never know what to expect. I come here and I'm like, man, what is getting ready to happen? God, what are you going to do? There is no pattern. There is no formula. We don't get together and strategize and say, okay, today, let's have public confession of sin. We don't, we have no idea what's getting ready to happen. There is no formula. Could it be that God is wanting to see whether we are leaning on what worked last week or are we truly a people of the Spirit who are led by the wind? Friends, heaven is watching. You can't experience what we've experienced without being held to a standard that most of us have never been held to. That's a sobering thought. We can't produce the things that we've been experiencing, but we can respond to these encounters in a way that causes him to entrust us with more. That ball is in our court. We can't produce these things, but we can respond in a measure of honor that shows him that we are worthy to receive more. Faithful in little, faithful in much. Responding with honor and awe to what he gives us today will bring greater breakthrough tomorrow. These are his ways. This is who he is. This is how he acts. This is how he responds to his people who are faithful and little. He's looking for a people who are going to be all in, who will understand his ways, a people who are sold out, who seek after him with their whole heart and are fully surrendered with no preconceived expectations or ideas of what that looks like. Are we willing to radically reorder our lives in response to the increase of what he's doing in our midst? That's a sobering question. Are we willing to radically reorient our lives as a response to what he's doing in our midst? We've struck the rock. You know, the story of Moses He strikes the rock in the wilderness and water pours out. We've struck the rock and water poured out. But what if he asks us to speak to the rock? Are we going to lean on muscle memory of what worked last time we gathered? Are we going to be obedient? Even if he does something weird. Even if he asks us to do something uncomfortable. Are we going to be a people willing to speak to the rock? When we've learned how to strike the rock. Are we going to be a people that he can be himself with? There are churches that will be entrusted with a greater measure of glory in the future because of how they steward these days of small beginnings. He's watching to see if we can handle the greater glory that is coming. What we do with today's prophetic word. 
or what we do with today's angelic visitation or healing miracle or throne room vision will determine what he entrusts us with tomorrow. Or will it just end with what happened last week or the week before that? Everyone says that they want the fire to fall. But who can really stand in the fire of his coming? Nothing exposes like revival fire. Nothing burns as hot as revival fire. Nothing divides a house like the king stepping into his temple. As he gives us increase, there will be those who, like Moses, with clean hands and a pure heart, ascend the smoking, burning, shaking mountain and enter into the cloud. Praise God. And then there will be others who draw back, remaining safely at a distance, saying, you go up there and just tell us what he says. When he comes, he always brings a sword and it divides and everyone thinks they can stand the fire. Everyone thinks they'll be on the right side of church history. But we have an opportunity now to make sure that we are. I'm going all in. Whether it's just me and Brimer here on the floor crying out to God. who It doesn't matter who's with me. I'm going all in. Now you guys are welcome to come with me. But where we are going requires a compass, not a map. You have a, all right, Sage is coming with me. Sage has a compass. You see, a map is an announcement that someone's already been there before. A compass is for those brave forerunners who are able to step into what eye has not seen and ear has not heard, nor has ever entered into the heart of man. Could it be that God wants to take us there? And there is no map that says how to get there. There's no church formula that says, turn the lights to this level. Make sure that the smog machine is pumping out this much smoke. Light, no, we got to get rid of those windows. That's too bright. Could it be there's no formula for where he wants to take us? Roxanne, the other day, or the other night, she said, I have a word. I've learned to listen when Roxanne has a word. But sometimes she has this look on her face like, oh, this is a word. She said, the Hebrides are coming. That was it. The Hebrides are coming. And she had this look on her face like she was underneath the weight of that statement. This wasn't something that Roxanne was saying to be cute, to, to encourage us on, to press in more. This was a weighty statement. The Hebrides are coming. The Hebrides was a revival, 1948 to 1952, the Isle, Isle of the Hebrides. One of the most pure, clean, beautiful, holy revivals in modern history. Something that we all long to see. And she said the Hebrides are coming. I want to read a statement from somebody who was in the Hebrides revival. They were one of the leaders of the Hebrides revival. 
I want to listen to this man's words so that we can learn from the mistakes that they made. The saddest indictment of any revival is the ending date. Azusa, 1904 to 1909. Hebrides, 1948 to 1952. Brownsville, 1996 to 2000, 2001, depending who you ask. Those ending dates... I don't ever want to see that. God never wants to see that. Listen to what this man said, one of the leaders of the Hebrides revival. This man was was having a conversation with this older gentleman who was a leader of the Hebrides revival. He said this with tears in his eyes. He said, there are six of us who helped lead the revival who are still alive. We meet together occasionally and we talk about those days. And we can't stop crying. The reason the Hebridean revival failed is because the leadership didn't know what to do with it. They didn't know how to structure it. They didn't know how to handle it. They didn't know how to prepare a wineskin for what God was doing. And it faltered and it failed. The man who was talking to this father of the revival said, That old man, he grabbed me up by the collar. He looked me in the eyes with his piercing blue eyes. And he said, son, when you get it, do everything you can to keep it. Do not let it go. What we do now determines how we handle the fire when it comes. And you say, wow, Neil, that's really presumptuous. There's, what, 50 of us in this little chapel? These are lofty ambitions for a handful of people in some tiny beach community in the central coast of California. (laughs) If you think that way, then you don't understand his ways. This is a man who walked with 12 and transformed the planet. I died to the numbers game a long time ago. If he can find a handful of people that understand his ways and will not stop until he comes, then he can transform nations. The Hebrides revival was prayed in by two 80 year old women. One was blind. One could couldn't even hardly walk. Don't tell me God can't use a handful of people to change a nation. But I'm telling you, man, what we do now matters. How we handle what he is giving to us now matters. So the encouragement is to steward well the things that he's doing, not only when we gather together, but in in you as an individual, as a mother, as a father, as a a saint of God. Because let me tell you, there are going to be people who need mothers and fathers to walk them through the burning. Amen. Amen. I was a little heavier than I was intending, but I felt like that was important to get out. I felt like it was a stake that needed to be set in the ground. It was one of those those stones that needed to be set in place. Do you agree? You're the cutest thing. Oh, my goodness. Amen. Well, let's do this. Uh, Let's take communion and let's use Let's just take a couple of minutes to even respond in our own hearts to what was just said.
we aren't dressing up and playing church. God's not looking for a people who got the formula down. God's looking for broken, empty vessels that he can fill with himself. I think most of us were raised in a religious system that taught us that to get to the place of righteousness, holiness, that we have to try harder and do better. And I hope you never hear me say something and and hear it colored through that lens. But we do have an obligation to respond to him when he comes with honor and wonder and awe. And realize that it's not normal. It's not common. It should be normal. It should be common. But it's not. So I don't ever want to take for granted. Whether it's one child having one vision and us responding with faith and childlike wonder. Or if it's a a, a manifestation of something we can actually see with our eyes. I want this place to be a place that responds with childlike wonder. And awe. Amen. Let's take this communion. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we worship you. You are the living bread of heaven that has come down to give life to the world. Lord, you didn't have to, but you took on the form of sinful flesh as an offering for our sin, so that now the law could be fulfilled in us. Scandalous. But yet this is what you did, and this is, these are your ways. Jesus, we worship you. We thank you that you are calling us up higher, to a higher standard, a standard that is worthy of the calling of God, on our lives, a standard that is worthy of the gospel, a standard that is worthy of the blood that you shed. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you are giving us the grace to respond well to these things. Holy Spirit, help us in our frailty. Lord, as we take this this bread, this flesh, Lord, remind us that, that, that we are but flesh, unless we lean into you and are absolutely desperate for your leading. So, Lord, we take your flesh and we ask that you, it it, it animates our life, that it gives us strength and the ability to walk worthy of the calling of Christ. Thank you for your flesh, Jesus. We receive this morning. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed today's message, you can find out more about Pearl Chapel at pearlchapel.com. Or better yet, come visit and experience for yourself what church as family can look like.